This episode of The Clear Out was recorded on the 27th of February, 2024, at home in Wicklow. And in it, I talk about a few different things, but mostly it's these three things. I talk about proportional responses to whatever is going on in the world right now, proportional responses to whatever we feel embattles us. I talk also about Kenneth Branagh's 2021 film Belfast in some detail and reflect on the stories we want to tell and how we make sense of ourselves. And that kicks me into talking about a project I'm starting to work on myself and how I'm thinking about that story and the the way to tell that story which is again in that area of contextualizing one's life contextualizing one's self and you know what may or may not be important in that attempt so that's what's coming up i hope that sounds like it might be of interest uh, you've come this far can you hang in for the rest of the episode only you can answer that question but if the answer is yes, I will see you around the corner. Cheers. Ooh, not gonna change my mind. Leaving the dream behind. Keep my Hi, my name is Dara Clear and you're listening to The Clear Out. You're very welcome. It's so lovely to have your ears, to have at least part of you with me on this journey today would you believe for the third the third recording day in a row so the last three weeks each time i've recorded i look out the window and i see rain (laughs) and it's been a very similar kind of rain i know last week it deviated but i've got the i've got the constant the constant drizzle Um, which is appropriate for a man of my age (laughs) I've got the constant I've got the constant drizzle outside Um, again I kind of like it there's something about the the way that water sits that water that falls from the sky the way it sits on the grass and sits on the the trees the branches of the trees and drops that sort of fine film of water on everything. It's kind of lovely. Uh, although I don't especially want to be out in it. Although I was earlier. I had a very, very cold swim. It, the, the temperature has dropped off the last couple of days. So, of course, that affects the water. Anyway, that's enough of that. Thanks very much. I'll have to change the, the name of this podcast to The Weather Report. The weather update with Dara Clear. How are you? As always, we have to start there, don't we? How are you? That's a that's a question I sometimes dread being asked. Because you don't want to know is how I feel. <laughs> how are you? No, don't don't ask. Let's not, let's not go there. Let's pretend that has no relevance to this conversation to this exchange let's not look under the hood 
let's not lift up the carpet and see all the dirt that has been swept under there. That will not serve us right now. But I do generally start the podcast with that question. How are you? More and more I feel I hear people expressing exasperation, exhaustion, a type of sickness tinged fatigue at the state of the world. And I share that awareness and that perception, but I try not to stay in that place of feeling beleaguered, feeling afflicted, feeling assaulted, because it really, it just doesn't help, does it? And it's, 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 it's a tricky line to walk because the attempt is to walk the line of being aware, being cognizant, not trying to shut things out as such, um, but to be very accepting of how, how little impact we can have on the larger, the larger picture, the larger scheme of things. Uh, I mean, I, I, I iterate a version of this sentiment so often on the podcast that if you're a regular listener, you might be going, okay, yeah, I think we've established that this is your position. But I don't think there's any harm in, in putting these things out there regularly. Because what I'm feeling instinctively more and more is that the goal is to remain calm. What do you think of that? What do you think of that as a, as a proposition? The goal is to remain calm, to try and think clearly, to try and respond thoughtfully. The sun has just come out. Would you believe it? The sun has just broken through. I can see the drizzle has eased, but I can see blue sky. I can see bright, shining cloud moving over the tops of the trees and above that cloud at the top of the window that I'm looking out of blue sky and the grass in the garden is lit up by that light and it's making the the rainfall on the grass sparkle it's kind of beautiful and that that applies to the tops of the trees in the garden as well this truly is this truly is hashtag blessed Sadly, sadly, our time at Hashtag Blessed is now on the clock. We have to leave. And that is very unfortunate. It was somewhat foretold. We've been here for just over three years. And it's been just such a lovely place to spend our lives, regardless of what's been going on in our lives. It is just a great, great place and it's a terrible shame and unavoidable, uh, but we have to leave. So who knows where we're going to fetch up. We have a little bit of time to play with, thankfully, but um, on, we, I don't know what comes next. If it'll be hashtag blessed 2.0, will I refer to this place as hashtag cursed? <laughs> it remains to be seen, but 
as ever I'm trying not to lose sight of what can still be enjoyed uh, also part of a of my broader philosophy of coping and finding moments to be grateful for day by day you know, sometimes that stuff I hear myself say stay say stuff like that and it, it can sound really naff and sort of trite and platitudinous I suppose um, what I hope always is that when I say it you can feel or hear or you, you have enough of a reference point or a frame to go I know that's coming from a thoughtful place I know it's not just that it's not just a sound bite it's not just something cute and to go back to what I was saying before about the aspiration to to calm down to remain calm um, not in a you know not in a repressed suppressed way not in a way of denial but in a way of understanding I'm really not going to contribute much positive if I'm freaking out and getting hysterical about everything and dwelling in a reactive um, highly emotive or emotionally reactive place that said it's important to know when it's necessary to let off some steam when it's necessary to scream <laughs> is that I, I i don't think that's contradictory i mean that's just about being tuned in to to the vessel about being tuned in to the machine about going there's a need to cry at the moment or there's a need to shout there's a need to rage um and that's that's moving with what's what's in you and that's responding to what your whole system is responding to and certainly when i consume what other and um, you know what, what maybe people who are really in the wellness space like professional practitioners whether it's you know in psychology or, or physiotherapy or alternative practices but people who are really that's where they're living their lives i mean i consider myself sort of lo-fi uh, slightly off to the side <laughs> wellness you know advocate wellness advocacy adjacent um because there's there are too many other interests i have that i feel don't let me remain solely in that space however my desire or my interest in the wellness of of not just myself but of others and in the wellness of the world i live in in a way that's always informing where I'm coming from. So that maybe makes me slightly less, you know, slightly more than adjacent. Uh, what I was going to say, though, was the, 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 the output and the commentary of other more explicit wellness advocates and practitioners. What I'm hearing is, you know, a lot of talk around um, dysregulation, a lot of talk around nervous system um you know shock or nervous system conflict or and you know nervous people's nervous systems being just impacted by this world we live in and this moment we're living through and 
I just feel intuitively I get that. Intuitively I feel it. And I don't generally spend a lot of time in that space. I think a lot of my own practices keep me fairly stable. Now I'm saying this on the back of, you know, it's only last month where I had a very um I had a very tough start to this year and I spoke very explicitly and dedicated an episode to exploring my own um you know mental health battles and depression battles and you know all of that um but you know because i believe that that's useful it's it's certainly useful to me to talk about that stuff and put it out there um that helps me get perspective it helps me look at things a bit more proportionally and respond proportionally um and that that idea of responding proportionally i think is really central to how i approach whatever i'm dealing with in life um and i mean arguably that's a very um it's a very martial arts based idea maybe it's a very eastern philosophy based idea a little bit a little bit kind of zen um zen adjacent okay i like you know adjacent is a very handy word (laughs) to not commit fully to things yeah i'm that adjacent i'm kind of in that area but not that um you know but the idea of a proportional response you know there's there's a clear implication of balance in that so you know in in karate for example when sparring it's not all out war it's not all out destruction of your opponent it's usually back and forth skirmishes back and forth point scoring um well the type of karate that i practice shotokan in practice and in certainly in competition it's it's a semi-contact sport now when the blood runs hot people get hit and hit hard and i've seen plenty of heavy contact and received some and probably given a bit not too much i think um it's not really my wiring but i've had some you know some good um scraps probably doesn't quite do them justice because you know they've been they've, they've been a reasonably proficient um level of karate that's been engaged in in some of my more memorable exchanges in in the dojo in the in the in the kind of karate training hall with some you know good good fighters male or female um but a proportional response like that's that's about control and that's one of the things i continue to resist and have always resisted about mma um you know mixed martial arts and ufc particularly the you know the kind of highlight platform for you know for that competition that sport i just think the the proportional response idea is not there when someone is kneeling over a fallen opponent and applying repeated full force blows to their head or elbow strikes and you know basically making a mess of somebody's head or you know leaving them covered in blood to me that's not a proportional response that's excessive and to me that's a that's a breach from traditional martial codes um and i don't care for it and i don't value it and i don't respect it 
even though, as I have said many times before, I have great respect for the skill set of those fighters. I have great respect for their demonstrated courage to step into that space when things are given license to be so excessive. That's a dangerous space to step into. I would not, I wouldn't fancy my chances. (laughs) I remember uh, a South African instructor I occasionally trained with in Melbourne. Um, You know, real old school, hard, tough karate man um, from a kind of a lineage of hard, tough, white South African karateka, karate practitioners. And I remember him saying to me one time, Dara, would you like a crack at Conor McGregor? And I was thinking, not really. (laughs) I don't think I would. Um, Because I think Conor McGregor would knock me out in two seconds flat. Um, But, you know, I mean, that that is the most likely outcome. Um, But I I would I would generally underrate myself in terms of my own skill set. And it's certainly not getting any better at this age. And with the, the level of practice that I engage in and the type of practice that I do it's, it's really you know, my own stuff and, and teaching kids I, you know, I'm not getting ready to step into the octagon but yeah the proportional response idea is it's huge it, like, to me it's huge like, it, it, as a general philosophy of how we cope with stuff um, and if we find ourselves responding to things or reacting to things with disproportionate heat with disproportionate upset, with dis, dis, disproportionate distress, then to me, like that's a very important area to look at and go, why? Why is this pitching me into such a, a state? Why is it making me respond this way? What is it about this that hits such a nerve or activates such an intense emotional response? Um And and I should apply that to my own. When I when I find myself battling with a depressive state, which can get extremely dark and extremely self obliterating in 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 sort of my mental and emotional state, I should be asking myself why? Like, what is this? What's happening here that has me in such an extreme state of self abnegation? Um, what am I responding to? Is it is it fear? Is it you know? Is it a sense of worthlessness? I mean, yeah. <laughs> In a word, yes, it is those things and more. Um, but luckily, over the years, and I I really do consider myself lucky because not everybody gets to escape that headspace um, or trust that it's survivable. I mean, that's a very important concept as well. I can survive this. Uh, And certainly martial arts can teach you that as well. You get a smack in the mouth or a cracked rib or a chipped tooth or a broken toe or finger or a bloodied nose or a burst lip. It's, you know, it's important to go, oh, that's horrible. That sucks. That hurts. Oh, there's blood. Oh, there's pain. Oh, I'm not, you know, my breathing is going to be uncomfortable for a month or two. But it's survivable. It's survivable. Um, And much more important to me, like that's just the body. Much more important to me is your inner, your your sort of inner machine, your inner drive, your inner self-worth. 
Oh, there's a chicken running across the garden. Is that Bob Ross? Not sure. I didn't know the chicken. It's a solo. One of our one of our five chickens just sprinting across the window. Stopped to have a look at me and is now stopping to, to peck the ground. Um, but much more important is is our core sense of self-worth and self-drive. Is that surviving? Does that emerge and go, I'm all good? And does that shake off the punch in the mouth? Does that shake off the split lip? Does that shake off the broken nose? And go, it's fine. I can continue. And okay, those are very, you know, they're very, very, very obvious sort of metaphors. But of course, that could be, do I survive this moment of crisis in my relationship? Do I survive this moment of failure or perceived failure in in, in the workplace? Do I survive this moment of, of whatever it might be, of dispute in my family, of of um, you know pressure to to secure a home, whatever it might be? Um, can I survive that? I mean, that ultimately, ultimately, I think that's the challenge, and the the way I think of it is, it's 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 what's you know. What is the through line? What is the through line of your journey? And if that's like a, you know, like a a heartbeat on a, you know, heart monitor, you know, how much deviation is there? Are you kind of keeping yourself pretty steady and pretty solid as you you travel through? Um, You know, we all have to find our own way to make that happen. But I think we neglect we neglect the importance of that base state um, at our at our peril, and it's not about being self-involved or narcissistic or egotistic or constantly prioritizing ourselves ourselves, but it is about maintenance. It is about checking in and going. Oh, hold on a second, I need to just straighten myself out here a little bit or I need to address certain areas of of deficiency or certain areas that are under a little bit too much pressure. Um, and that's the right priority at the moment. I mean, I don't think there's anything wrong with making those kind of decisions. Um, anyway, there you go. I did not know I was going to say any of that, which is... That is par for the course here on the clear out. What I thought I was going to talk about was was what something a bit more uh, in the area of hmm, not the creative process process, not the creative process, but something in that area and. It's partly because of what I'm trying to work on myself at the moment. Um, last night, I watched Kenneth Branagh's 2021 film, Belfast, which is massively inspired, if not totally, if not practically autobiographical, um, by Kenneth Branagh's own 
childhood experience growing up as a young fella in Belfast before moving to England. Um, and it's a beautifully shot black and white, um, you know, childhood story. And, you know, we experience this world through the eyes of the young buddy, which I guess is the proxy for Branna. Um, and he is growing up in early 60s Belfast in a very hot time politically with sectarian tensions rising to the boil between you know Protestant and Catholic communities, Unionist and Republican communities. Um, and it's I guess it's Brand's attempt to to capture that experience, to capture his experience and the different areas of light and darkness in his childhood. Uh, his parents are played by Jamie Dornan and Katrina Balf. His grandparents by Kieran Hines and Judy Dench, who I think were excellent in the movie. Mm. Hines and Dench, that is. Their easy chemistry, their lived-in characters, their fantastic faces, their lovely back-and-forths. Um, just lovely actors to look at. Judy Dench is just, God, she's such a class act, always... Such an amazing face, such a great voice, the way she... Oh, she's just a great actress. And Karen Hines is lovely as well. He's always really solid. He's just got that big, haunted head. <laughs> and Jamie Dornan is fine, and Katrina Balfe is lovely. Um, you know, good as well, you know, playing young, under-pressure parents with a lot going on in their lives, and... Yeah, it the but you know and the, and the film is it, it to me it was a mixed bag. It wasn't quite one thing nor the other. I felt partly what Branagh wanted was maybe to tap into this relationship with the escapism of of cinema and movies, something I can totally relate to. Um you know, almost you know, maybe almost tipping into cinema paradiso levels of romanticism. Maybe he could have tipped it into more, you know, um, magic realism. Why? Um, but he was also trying to capture some of the real, genuine danger and darkness and nastiness of of the troubles in Northern Ireland in Belfast at that time. Um, but he couldn't quite bring it. It felt like he couldn't quite bring himself to commit to either, and so. For, I felt the film just fell a little bit between both and I couldn't quite I couldn't quite put my finger on what would have made it more successful because you couldn't really fault the performances um I mean he could have leaned in more to the the the, the difficulty with which the young son would struggle to capture that danger. Um, I mean, for me, the most successful scenes were the more intimate family moments and the less successful ones were trying to drop in the, the political, social political context 
And sometimes there are moments of script that were way too expository and way too written for, well, my sense was written for a non-Irish audience because the vast majority of Irish audiences would know the subtleties and the tensions and the horribleness of what went on in Northern Ireland. Um, but I felt like Branagh was making concessions to a non-Irish audience and things were just a little bit too on the nose. Um, certain line readings just made me cringe. Um, and yeah, I, I wish maybe he'd had a bit more courage in that area to just be a bit more nuanced, um, a bit more subtle and have it just a bit more sort of integral to the characters. And yes, I found myself very moved at the end, you know, the final scene. Um, really, I found very effective and just the the dedication at the end. Because, um, you know, I know, I know people who had that experience of having to get out of Belfast as children, like their families made the decision, like, no, we can't be here. It's just too dangerous. We've got to get over to Donegal or we've got to get over to England. Um, it's just not a place to raise a family. And I I have enormous empathy and I feel, I don't know, I, I just, I, I feel I've always sensed the, the cost of that, like the cost of having to, to, to leave and the, you know, parents making the decision to go, no, this is no place for our children. We're not going to run the risk of them being caught up in, you know, in violence or be the victims of sectarian hatred. Um, and yeah, there were notes of that, and particularly at the end that I think Branagh, you know, he, he successfully captured it, even if in a slightly sentimental way or romanticized way, um, it was very good. And you know the the photography. I'm trying. I, I didn't check who the cinematographer was, but it's it's shot beautifully in black and white. It really is. It looks gorgeous, and there are some very, you know, very light and funny and entertaining moments, and one fantastic, um, <laughs> one fantastic line reading from um, the the buddy played by the a, a young actor called Jude Hill in relation to to washing powder, which that was that was kind of the high point of the movie for me kind of which came close enough to the end of the film um a distraction for me was an over-reliance on van morrison songs uh van morrison's warm love a song i really like was used and that was gorgeous but some of van morrison's less lovely less brilliant less um classic songs uh, were just yeah a bit, just like if it was a jukebox fan Morrison musical, I don't know. It just felt really, I don't even need this. I think maybe original music, an original score might have served it better. Um, although obviously Bran is using Van Morrison as a, you know, proud Northern Irishman. Um, but it wasn't always uh, era, um, era appropriate. So some, I just feel some kind of mediocre Van Morrison material on the soundtrack just, just contributed to the sense of, you know, if if this is a, a MOR um, the soundtrack, it kind of fits with maybe the pitch of the film as well, 
And that's not to invalidate that you can make, you can make great sort of family movies that aren't edgy, that are um, the director or creator's attempt to capture their childhood. Um, I'm thinking of that John Borman film, Hope and Glory, isn't it? Um, and then there's a lovely English movie about West Indian immigrants uh, with, I think, Delroy Lindo at the head of the family and they're cricket mad in in London in whatever it is, the 50s or 60s. And that's a, that, that captures something lovely, you know, as well. And I just feel Bran is sort of, he, oh, I can't think of the name of that film. I have to look it up. Something about, I'm sure Oblivion might be in the title. Um, I'll look it up while I'm chatting here. But I, I just think Branham missed a little bit of that, a little bit of that magic. He just missed a little bit of capturing something to single out the, the very distinct, the very distinct bond um, and glue that the, the you know that the family enjoyed. Um, it was just a little bit too fragmented, or yeah, just just I mean, just unsuccessful. I think in, in that area. Um, and maybe he's aware of that and maybe he was never going to capture that or maybe that wasn't his intention. But, um, yeah, just bear with me two seconds. I'm going to find this movie because it's one that's well worth checking out. Right, see how far I have to go back. It was definitely Delroy Lindo. And it was called Wondrous Oblivion. That's it. Wondrous Oblivion. Yeah, oh, it's a Jamaican family moves in next door to a white family and the Jamaican dad helps the young fella improve his cricket game. 2003, so just over 20 years ago, directed by Paul Morrison. Um, go find that if you can. Um, a lovely movie. So um, what it got me thinking about, though, what it got me thinking about was how we make sense of our lives and how we understand ourselves in the context of our lives and as you know as you know as creative people particularly what do we want to say when we make that attempt what are we trying to use to to put down the the template or the the guideline for that attempt, um, yeah. And in Branagh's case with Belfast, you know, it was a very finite period of time, and just very. I don't want to say a scatter gun approach or a scatter shot approach because that would that's an injustice because like he's he's a much he's a more skillful filmmaker and storyteller than that. Um, but I can't help but think like that's a, a guy who left Belfast as a kid and he's looking back with a certain romanticism and I think if you're familiar with the, the history of Northern Ireland it's very hard it's very hard to offset that darkness 
it's very hard to offset the tragedy and the bloodshed and the violence and the entrenched hatreds. Um, it's very hard to offset that with something sunny and light and um, yeah, you know, romanticized the you know the childhood flashback. Um, and you know, it, it, there was no question that it was partly a love letter to Belfast. And I have no issue whatsoever with that. And the film opens with photography from contemporary Belfast and then does this nice thing of peering over a wall and it's black and white and it's the past, 1961, I think. You know, just a little trick, very obvious. But, you know, as I say, the black and white photography um, is is really, really lovely. And... You know, Branagh is no, he's not he's not Ken Loach for God's sake. Like he's not trying to be he's not a social realist. Like he is an entertainer in a very kind of classical mode. Um and there were lovely there you know, there were a lot of things to like about the movie. Um a lot of nice moments and a lot of nice observations and period detail, which were successful, definitely. Um and so in that regard, you know, it, the, the the movie does work. But I guess I just wanted more. I wanted to be, I wanted the the weave through the, you know, through those worlds to kind of come together more successfully and kind of cohere more successfully. And yeah, that to me, there just wasn't quite enough there. But um the question I was asking before, though, was like, you know, well, what do we do? Like, what do we do? What are we taking from that part of our lives? Um, and how do we, you know, how do we kind of join the dots? And how do we understand ourselves using those different periods of our lives? And, you know, are we always a product of the past? Are we always this sort of accumulation, this conglomeration of different moments, different experiences, different key steps in our personal evolution that bring us to now? And how how relevant or how worthwhile is it to to constantly contextualize and go you know to to, const, to constantly contextualize and drop a frame of causality or of sort of um what psychological emotional understanding like that frame of oh well I'm like this because of that um you know, I, I am. I'm asking that pretty rhetorically because it's clear if you've spent any time listening to this podcast over the last couple of years, almost three years, um, that that is something that I do value. And that kind of mission statement of mine to declutter and clarify and connect, that's always about sort of personal excavation and exploration and I try to do that in a way that is not neurotic, neurotic or solipsistic or narcissistic. 
Um, it's not about constantly putting myself at the center of the frame, but my, you know, my 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 desire is always for greater understanding. Um, that will lead to a more functional, fulfilled self who's better able to um, make the most of what's available in the moment. And again, I, 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 I don't think that's a bad aspiration. Um, and yeah, I'm, I'm thinking about this a lot at the moment because I am... As, as I mentioned last week, I'm, I've begun work on what I hope will be a successful long form writing project, which is going to be something in the area of auto fiction, something in the area of making sense of myself and drawing the line from childhood to now with over, overlapping um, you know, time frames. I was speaking to a friend about this just the other day and he was like, oh yeah, well, that, that sounds like a, a ring narrative where you don't necessarily start. It's not, it's not chronological and linear, but you're revisiting moments, responding from a moment now that chucks you into the past, responding to something in the past that chucks you back to this moment. And I think that is generally my mode anyway, the way I connect things. Um... You know, it's a, <laughs> it's a little bit like Tom Cruise in Minority Report when he's, you know, piecing together someone's life and their backstory leading up to a crime that they haven't yet committed. Because that's the that's the that's the that's the premise of that Spielberg film from what is it, two thousand and one? Um maybe it's a bit later than that. That, you know, Tom Cruise heads up this precog unit that catches people before they've committed a crime and the you know the laws allowed them allow them to um you know to indict and penalize them then because well we know what you're about to do and we've caught you before you've done it but you're still going to do it so away you go it's um I, I actually think it's i really i really really like that movie i think it's a very successful execution of a very clever idea and as I've mentioned before, this kind of, it wasn't actually the breakout Colin Farrell performance, but it really announced Colin Farrell as a young actor who was going to take a very big swing. Um, he just met Tom Cruise head to head without breaking sweat, without batting an eyelid. And you're like, whoa, the chops on this guy. <laughs> I really... I've never not admired Colin Farrell for that reason. I'm like, yeah, good for you, man. Get out there, get into it. Not a backward step. Um, but yeah, so you know, I'm you know, I'm writing about you know my childhood at the moment. I'm revisiting moments, and I'm not being too fussy. I'm not trying to go. Where did it all begin? What was point A? What was point B? What was point C? I'm just I'm just sort of intuitively following, you know, where my my writing brain wants to go. And I'll see as I proceed if that's if that is being successful or not. Um, but like I know what I'm interested in. I know what I'm interested in. And it's that the challenge is how successfully 
I'm going to make the connections and produce something that's legible and in some way fascinating or interesting. Um, and I think, it, you know, the, the pressure I'm putting myself under is it's not that I'm interesting. It's, it's that hopefully I can capture something of what my experiences and perceptions were and contextualize them in a certain way and capture that successfully in writing so that people go, oh yeah, there, there's something there that I can relate to. Um, there's something that opens up my imaginative space or my emotional or psychological space that is turning on lights of, of recognition, um, of, of fellow traveling. That's often how I think of it, that we're all sort of fellow travelers um finding our own way and you know i i just think that there's like when i'm you know my 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 quest to sort of to make sense of things it's it's not a template for everyone it's it's my own template it's my own understanding or recognition or attempt to capture well these are the things that have remained important to me um and I can draw a line from this to that and back to that and over there and maybe back here. And it helps me go, oh, that's why this stuff remains at the forefront of my concerns or remains at the forefront forefront of how I contextualize myself and understand myself. Um, and it's, yeah, it's um, it's definitely going to be a challenge, but I'm I'm enjoying the process at the moment. Um, hopefully I will continue to enjoy it and get to an end point where I'll have something that's worth um, that's worth putting out there um, okay do you know what I'm going to finish here today I just feel like let's have a short one and I hope you found something of interest here I mean what what were our three main talking points proportional responses in relation to remaining calm uh, that touches on stuff I was talking about last week um, obviously going into Belfast Kenneth Branagh's film in some detail and then this idea of what, how do we make sense of ourselves um, and it's you know it I didn't. I, I mean, I, I didn't really go into too too much exploration of that idea. Of course, it's about our own journey, but then it's also about our relationship to, you know, so much of it is about our relationship to other people, the relationships that define us, the relationships that we continue to try and negotiate, um, the negotiation of our personal aspirations the world we live in. I mean, there is a connective thread to that idea of proportional response, calmness, negotiation of self, negotiation of the world. Everything is interconnected. We don't live isolated lives. Um, and I know that's a theme that I spoke about last week with, you know, talking about AI and the 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 assault of technology, the invasion of technology, the takeover of technology, and how that has fractured us all and individuated us all. That is, of course, an isolating effect. But 
we're in that world. We're in that world and we're interacting with that world. So in that regard, we're not isolated from that. I'd love to be isolated from that. I'd love to turn my back on the world and just live silently, quietly, um, you know, in, a, in some sort of pastoral setting, rural setting with a, you know, a happy, uh, you know, wife and daughter in my life and pursue the things I want to pursue. That, that's, listen, that's a dream. <laughs> uh, sometimes my wife, my wife thinks I'm living that dream, that I'm living in a bubble. Um, but it's not the case, I can assure you. Anyway, that's it. That's all I've got today. Um, I hope you enjoyed what you heard. I hope you'll come back and listen again. And I hope you're I hope you're doing well. You can come and do some mindfulness work with me if you like at Camerino Bakery at IMA, the Irish Museum of Modern Art. I'll be there for the next three Wednesdays, 12 o'clock. It's a 50 minute drop in class. And the sort of stuff I talk about, I put into a more physical practice, breath work, energy, energy flow, alignment and just dropping in some concepts to play with, to give give tools, mindfulness tools to help achieve that calmness that I aspire to, uh, that I believe sends you back out into the world in better shape to deal with whatever comes your way. So yeah, that's um, the next three Wednesdays, 12 o'clock, Camerino Bakery at Imma in Kilmainham in Dublin. And uh, otherwise, throw me some love. Throw me some love um, in the online space. Social media, you can get me in the usual places. Instagram, YouTube, Facebook. Uh, A review, a comment, a share, a like, a subscribe. I welcome all of that. And if you're really motivated by what I do here on this podcast, if you really get something from it, consider becoming a Patreon at patreon.com forward slash the clear out and for the price of a cup of coffee cup of tea a turmeric latte if you like um, you can uh, support this financially and if you can't afford it don't worry about it just, just listen and enjoy and spread the word because that helps enormously okay that's it I'm out thanks for listening mind yourselves I'll talk to you soon bye bye